Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. The whole crew here with you this week, Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay. Uh, We're on a little bit of a delay from our normal pod drop. We know this is going to go out a day later than usual, um, but we appreciate you dealing with some scheduling. Aaron and I, we're out of town. We're back in town now. Um, You know, so we're here. Guys, we doing all right today, even though we're a little little behind on the normal pod drop? Yeah, I'm fretting, but uh, I'm here. I'm ready to do the show. Aaron's in full panic mode right now. A day late, freaking out. But anyway, how was uh, how was going out of town, fellas? It was nice, you yeah. know. It's, sometimes it's just nice to get away. I mean, it was a it was a low key trip. Um, you I, know. I think the big thing for Brendan and I was we were just trying to lay low, and we know we got a lot of fans spread out around the world, and we were just trying to lay low with the family. Didn't want to have all the you know the fans and the paparazzi coming up asking for quotes and whatnot and for pictures and autographs. So we just kind of laid low and did our thing so that was it was really nice um you know once you get to the the popularity and the fame level that we're at and we're able to just kind of go on a little trip like that and not have to deal with it it, it's just really refreshing oh wow (laughs) so humble jeez so i love the humility you should have heard aaron as we were driving last night as we drove through cleveland and just some of the words that Aaron had to say about that city. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> oh, Mike, those are fighting words, I think. Oh, but we I don't know. even know what the words it were. All and we don't fun. even know what the words were. It was all in so good fighting fun. words. They were fighting words. I'll, I'll let everybody just kind of assume maybe what Aaron did or did not say as we uh, as we drove through Cleveland uh, in, in the late hours of last night. But um, nonetheless, we are back. We're talking NBA. We're talking Pistons. Um and some interesting stuff going on. You know, we're at that point in the NBA offseason to where you're, you're looking for storylines. You're looking for content. Um, but there's a few things that have kind of sparked over the last week or so. And I think the biggest one, it's not Pistons related, um, but it's NBA related. And it involves Carmelo Anthony. Um, he sat down with Stephen A. Smith, an exclusive ESPN interview, and... Carmelo talks about his absence from the NBA, him being let go from Houston, how it didn't work out in OKC, how he wants to be back in the NBA. And he also kind of nips in the butt. I wasn't looking for a farewell tour. I actually want to get back and play in this league. So Melo sits down. He has this conversation. um, And he's still looking for a home. He's still looking for a way back into the league. And I think there's an interesting question on the table because Melo is, is, or at least at, at, at one point in his career, was such a gifted scorer and truly just a a good basketball player from the standpoint of he scored the ball on an elite level. He's never been an elite defender. Early in his career when he had his little bit of athleticism, you know, he could do the job. But he's an elite scorer, one of the best 
that we've been able to watch play the game. But at this point in his career, does Melo deserve another opportunity in the NBA, Aaron? I'll tell you what. I watched or listened to some of the interview, and I watched a couple other clips just from being on Twitter, and there is a very much so a part of me that wants to see Melo in the NBA again. I, I personally, he's just he's for me. He just is no longer a starting level player, and I think a lot of people that watch the NBA a lot and understand the game at at least an adequate level understand that. But there are also a lot of people that would go to their graves saying Carmelo should be starting in the NBA right now because there's that what he did in his prime and just like who he is. I definitely lean towards Melo is still an NBA player, but he's at this point in his career a 9th or 10th man at best, and he's got to be able to accept that he's coming off the bench, and yes, he's going to be asked to score the ball because that's the best thing he does, but it's not going to be in a, we're just going to give you the ball, you're going to isolate, and you're going to score. He's going to have to do it within the team's offense. He's going to have to be a respectable, a reliable catch-and-shoot three-point opportunity. He's going to have to hit shots from the mid-range, which we know Melo can do. You know, there are some different wrinkles you can use with him. Some pick-and-roll with him as setting the pick. He can either roll towards the basket, pop out towards the three-point line. You know, he still is a weapon offensively. But for him, it, it comes down to him being willing to accept that that's his role now. He's no longer a starter. He's no longer a, a, a 15 to 20 shot per, per game kind of guy. He is a bench player. He is a role player. And he talked about how that's been very hard for him to accept. And while he now does accept it, that has been very much so a problem for him. And, and, and is him saying that he accepts it now just talk? just so he can get on to another NBA team, I don't know. I, I, I do think he belongs because there are other players on NBA rosters. I mean, for example, you look at the Washington Wizards roster, there's probably six or seven guys that Melo could play over. That's just, it's a, it's a really bad roster. And I, I, I just feel like a lot of it is due to the problems Melo had in OKC and with Houston. He wasn't willing to accept a, a smaller role. He wanted to take a lot of shots, and that's just not who he is anymore. Think back three, four years ago, he could have become an elite six-man if he would have molded himself to just be that guy that comes off the bench, helps with the scoring, does some of the other stuff, rebounds the basketball, but he doesn't want or he didn't want to accept that. I still think there's a role for Melo in the NBA if he has finally accepted that he is a bench player. He's not a top dog because that's a guy that can score. And scoring still matters so much in the league. And and Melo's a guy that can do that. I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you, Aaron. In his, you know, he's like he said in his interview, um, it was hard for him to accept, but he's accepted it. And I just can't believe that until I see it. I mean, in OKC, he was supposed to be third fiddle to Russ and Paul George. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yet he seemed to be pulling every time he touched the ball. He goes to Houston. Doesn't even well, how many games did he play in Houston? Ten. Ten, eleven. Because he you have Chris Paul, you have James Harden, 
You have uh, Clint Capella. All these guys who are more of the main option than what Lamelo should have been. He is a role player on the team, and he couldn't accept that. He's just pulling and pulling and pulling. I, as great as that is, that was a good interview, and it was good to see him be real and be emotional, and it's good to see that he says he accepted that role, which I get. That's a hard role to accept from someone who's a superstar yeah. to have to take that step back. That's tough, of course. Right. But I can't believe it until I see it. I There is a role for him in this league, but it's coming off the bench and being uh, like a spot-up shooter for a team. Here's what's going to be hard for Melo. Nobody wants to take on a guy that comes with baggage. And when you sign Carmelo, all of a sudden the pressure's going to be on your coach, you as a GM, other players in the locker room. Like, hey, you signed him and he almost has to be part of your top nine. Otherwise, there's just going to be drama He's gonna. He might be a problem in the locker room. You're gonna receive criticism from the media as a coach. You're gonna have that negative vibe, even if they're just criticizing Mello. You're gonna have that negativity from whether it's media, whether it's you know from Mello, whether it's from teammates. That's gonna sur- surface in the locker room. I, sorry, Brandon, because I don't think you're off base with that either. Just look at what Chauncey Billups said a few months ago or whatever yep. it was about Carmelo yep. and how, in his younger days. Like, Carmelo was, if they lost, as long as he scored 30, he seemed to be okay. But if they won and he only put up 18 or 20, right. he seemed to be down in the dumps. Right. And Chauncey took a lot of heat for that stance. That uh, Melo just never fully learned how to just do what it takes to win. Yeah. And humble himself within and, the team. And Melo alluded to it a little bit in his interview. He's like, you know, if I didn't score my 40, my 50, whatever a night, then I felt like I wasn't doing my job. Right. And it's like... Yeah, he never understood that, hey, your job isn't always to score 40 or 50. Like, yes, you're an elite scorer. Yes, people give you that prop and that credit. People know you're an elite scorer. Right. But if you drop 15 to 19 points in a night and you know but your you, team wins by nine. But you dished seven, eight assists. You grabbed yeah. eight or nine boards. We won. Every, you did your job. Every top player in the league does more than just scoring. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can be the best scorer in the game. You can be a Durant, a Curry, a Harden, but you still do other things. Durant's an elite defender. Curry is a great playmaker. Harden's a great playmaker. Harden rebounds. He dishes the basketball. He runs the offense. And even a guy like LeBron, who's maybe not the elite scorer, we see what he does as he literally runs these shows. And it's still crazy that LeBron... And, and, and I, when you think of elite scorers, I don't know if I think LeBron either. I just think, like, elite athlete, elite player. But the dude still averages, like, 27 points I know. a game. Yeah. And he's not even considered an elite scorer. That's I ridiculous. Mean, I think he's, like, I think he's an elite scorer, but there's just, there's a it, different level of there's scoring. Yeah. There's more, it's like not. You, you don't think of LeBron as an elite scorer because he does so much other stuff. Yeah, you're right. not just going to, you're not going to sum his game up as elite scorer. Right. Like, for guys like. Carmelo Anthony, Tracy McGrady, those types. It's, oh, elite scorer. For LeBron, yes, he's an elite scorer, but he's also an elite passer, elite rebounder, right. elite defender. So it's just an elite all-around player. You're not going to box him into that. Yep. Yeah. And Carmelo never really was anything other than an elite scorer. And, and purely scoring-wise, at his prime... He was one of the best in the league at it. Melo got buckets. It was nuts. Like, it was insane. 
Do you fellas really remember oh. watching Mellow? Yeah. Oh yeah, Denver okay. Mellow. Yes, yes. It was even, fantastic. Even though, even his first years with the Knicks, he was a killer. And, and but you just have to be able to do more than that. And that's what worries me about Mellow. Mm-hmm. Remember when the Knicks traded for Mellow and it was also like, dude, New York's getting a championship oh, again. That was, oh, New York's my God. taking that next step. New York's taking that next step. Oh, City of Champions over there. And then uh, not so much. But, you know, to, let, let's, let's be fair. We've seen this in other sports, and right now we're seeing it in the NBA. There's a guy that has – everybody knows he has a talent. Everybody knows he has the ability to play in the league. But nobody wants to take on the the extras that come with that. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to have that kind of attention in the locker room. You know? Because Melo's going to come in and maybe he does well. And maybe it all works out. But maybe it doesn't. And even if it's not Mello causing the issue, because I don't want to sit here and bash him. Like it, it, it may not even be him. He may accept his role. He may be happy to be on a roster. He may really embrace taking on a mentorship role. But if that's not really, really, really apparent to the media, all that's going to happen is every press conference is going to be, you know, to the coach, why isn't Mello playing? And Mello, you know, you, what are you doing? Why are you not in the rotation? Has, has Coach talked to you about this? Do you see yourself improving? Do you see yourself cracking the rotation? Do you see yourself better than the guys that are playing in front of you right now? And then you start pinning Mellow against your locker room, even if it's not Mellow trying to do it. You know, So you just bring in that, that negativity, that extra. To me, it's, it's not worth it. Um, but now I want to kind of hypothetical here for a minute. okay? And I want to forget necessarily about positional situations and a current roster layout. But let's say Melo makes it back into the league. And let's say he even plays one to two teams. And he's an average player. He's a rotational guy. Um, but but overall, his return to the league is successful. And maybe let's say it's two years, three years. Maybe it's even you know one year from now. Melo wants a, a final season and you know says it will be his last season, which will then probably lead to being a farewell tour. Would you want Detroit to consider signing Carmelo Anthony? Absolutely not. I mean, not only do I do I not want him on the team now, just because of what Detroit has. I said hypothetical. Do not look at the roster layout. You, I'm you saying simply just: Would you want Fine. that my to answer's, be in Detroit? My answer is still no because at 30 whatever they're talking about his when if he gets back in the league this year, it being his potential final season. There's just no scenario where I want Mello in Detroit. He doesn't deserve a farewell tour with a place like Detroit. If he was going to have a farewell tour, it needs to be with a team like the Knicks or Nuggets, where he actually had a career there. Um, There's just no business for it to be in Detroit. And I just don't think he's the kind of guy that is going to help you really win. I'm just not... Look, I, I want Melo to get into the NBA, get back into the NBA. I think he can contribute, but I don't think he's just going to be a, a great player and, and or a great bench piece, and I just don't want him on Detroit. I want him to succeed somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, you're, once again, you're not wrong. I No farewell tour here for Carmelo Anthony because that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense 
for him to have a farewell tour here. It'd have to be, I feel like, not even New York. I feel like it would have to be Denver. Denver is where his best ball was played. I know he had those first couple seasons in New York were pretty, pretty outstanding, but his general layout for his career, Denver is where it was. That's home for him in the NBA. That can be his farewell tour. And in terms of if it wasn't a farewell tour and we were considering roster fit and all those things this year, I still wouldn't want him on the team. Um, there's enough firepower to where we don't need to hinder the young guys on this team. You don't need to hinder Seku if he were to get cracked the rotation. You don't need to hinder Kyrie Thomas or Bruce Brown or Svee. You don't need to do any of that. Um, the bench is strong enough, I feel like, for what it is. And it's not like Carmelo would make this team right. You know, oh, you know, they're battling to get to the playoffs. They can win a first-round series. It's not like, oh, he takes them to the Eastern Conference Finals coming off the bench or anything like that. So, I'll pass. But thank, but I'm with Aaron. I want him to, I want to see him back in the league. See him one more go around, I guess, for him. Yeah. I feel like if you're a smaller market team, though, like let's say Denver's, there's just no interest there. You know? If you're a smaller market team or you're just like a non-contender for anything, like not even a playoff contender, like, I don't know, just why not? You know, I know I just gave reasons to why Melo, like, oh, nobody wants the baggage. Nobody wants the extras. And I did just say all that. But if you kind of look at it then from a different perspective, if you're like the Knicks and all you did was clear up cap space to go sign free agents and you utterly failed, you know, and Julius Randle is maybe your biggest signing of the offseason, why not try to bring back Melo? Why not give him a chance if you're if you're in that kind of situation, you know? Or, um, I mean, Aaron, we talked about this last night a little bit. If you're like Orlando and you don't have, like, a superstar in your roster and, yes, you made the playoffs last year, you're a young team, you're a borderline playoff team this year, just like they were borderline last year. They're right on the cusp, and they got lucky with some house of things shook out towards the end of the year, and they got in. But why not bring in a guy like Melo? Bring some attention to your, you know, to your franchise. Get you maybe another national game or two. You know, why not? Because he's not conducive. He's not. I, I just. He just doesn't. He just doesn't belong. It just doesn't make sense for a team like Detroit. No, I'm not talking about Detroit. Did you see? This is why you shouldn't be looking on your phone while I ask the question. I'm doing research. Oh, you're doing research. So anyway, Orlando. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> or, oh, oh, yeah, we did talk about. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, quiet, Ryan. Sorry. No, 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 Ryan. First I mean, I, I get you're your, muted. I get your point with that. Bring in a superstar, get a little more clout around the team, a little noise around them. I, I get it. Um, I still don't know if I do it. If I'm Orlando, I, for me, it's very, very iffy. Like, if Carmelo is going to a contender, he's going to a contender. Yeah, like, he's going to play with LeBron in LA. You know what I mean? Right. He's going to sign the vet minimum with the Clippers or the Warriors or something like that to be a bench piece there. Or he's doing his farewell tour like Mike did. I'm talking about MJ here. Uh, just a useless uh, Wizards team. Yeah. Mike went to the Wizards when there wasn't a whole lot happening. They were. I mean, they weren't this bad right now. They had Rip and those guys there at the time. Um, but it wasn't anything special with the Wizards, and he was just kind of doing a farewell tour. If you're the Lakers, for a couple of, yeah. you're the Lakers would you consider signing Melo? Not Melo, like, wanting to go there. If you're the Lakers, would you consider signing Melo? 
I think they would. I think they would consider it because of LeBron and the Lakers. That's like the only place that really makes sense to give Melo his chance in the league is the Lakers. I mean, I w- LeBron and Melo have wanted to play together for forever. You gotta feel like it's gonna happen at some point. And if Melo's career is coming to a close, maybe the Lakers are the team to do it. And he really wants that chance at a ring. Yep. And LeBron will make sure he gets his run. He's not going to go to a LeBron team and not play. Right. Like, LeBron runs the team, and we all know that, and that's just a fact. Oh, yeah. LeBron's going to make sure he gets his clock. So, I mean, I for me, that kind of makes sense. I don't see why he wouldn't. If that's where he's going with his final season or couple seasons, make it L.A. Go be with your boy LeBron. Live that L.A. life. Go battle for a championship. Get your 15, 20 minutes off the bench. And I think that that's the... And and I know we want to move on to a few different things here, but I do feel like that's the best scenario for Melo. If he's true and sincere about he's accepted his role as a ninth, 10th guy, and, you know, L.A.'s looking for some depth, he'd fit maybe... Yeah, he'd, he'd fit a second rotation, and... LeBron and AD would do the work. Melo could come in. Yeah, it's 15, 20 minutes, get some run, and then, you know, have a real chance to compete for a championship. And if he gets that ring, even if it's in this role, you'd have to think that that, like, now when everybody says, oh, it's the one thing Melo was missing, you know, he's missing a championship. Yes, he didn't win in his prime, but I wonder if that changes his perception overall for his career. I think it would, because it wouldn't be him sitting on the bench and he he only appeared in 28 games and played a grand total of 50 minutes all year, you know. He right. would still be contributing every night playing 15, 20 minutes a game. Right. So he played a part. He worked for it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So I feel like that would change the perception of his career. Well, kind of switching gears, um, you know, I want to talk for just a quick minute. Andre Drummond has withdrawn from FIBA. He joins the long list of guys that have decided either to not play um, or that have withdrawn um, from the FIBA tournament. And, you know, it was something that we talked about, what was it, a week or two ago, how, you know, Andre's always been, you know, pretty grateful for the opportunity to play with Team USA and whatnot. Um, do we have any more insight into why he decided to withdraw at this point? Was it just a lack of desire? Maybe is there an injury that we don't know about? Um and that's all speculation. That's not saying that the Andre has some type of injury. It's just, you know, do we have any insight, Aaron, as to why Andre decided not to play? I, I think it's mainly because it's a contract year. You know, he wants to make sure he's healthy, um, and he wants to focus on, you know, the season up upcoming. Pull up an article from Vincent Ellis of Detroit Free Press right now going to read you what this says uh, in a paragraph. It wasn't surprising to see Drummond withdraw from preparations for the August 31st event on Thursday. According to a person with knowledge of the situation, Drummond is choosing to focus on the upcoming season. So yeah, basically what every player says when they withdraw from Team USA. They want to focus on the upcoming season. They want to train for the next season. They want to make sure they're healthy for the next season. All the same stuff, um, which I guess is fine. I mean, I, I definitely didn't expect Drummond to withdraw. He would have been one of the best players on the team, um, and he's been very willing to participate in Team USA stuff in years past. Um, but 
we, we talked a lot about the, the Team USA stuff last week, so I, I don't really feel like I need to touch on it too much. I'm, I'm kind of surprised with, in Drummond's case him leaving, but I, I guess he has the reasoning to do it with this being a contract year for him and the Pistons trying to focus on winning. So, I Like I said last week, it's an honor to play for the United States, in my opinion. Like, that's the greatest honor, representing your country. But America doesn't really have anything to prove in terms of world basketball. You know what I mean? We right. dominate the sport. And it's not the Olympics. It's FIBA. I don't really think America cares all that much about this tournament. Sure. And Andre Drummond doesn't need to worry about this tournament. It's a contract year for him. It just makes more sense monetarily, fiscally, just personally for him to withdraw. I don't think there's anything more to it than that. It just let the young guys have their run in FIBA because the big fellas are going to show up for the Olympics. Right. And, and so, they'll ball out. And they'll ball out. Like, that's just kind of how I feel about it. So Andre is withdrew. He's focusing on this season. And while maybe that is a good choice, um, there's a lot of odds makers and people that are making predictions on the season. Giving Detroit, uh, I wouldn't say giving them love. Um, you know, they put the line at, what, 37.5 wins for Detroit. And to me, that just kind of seems a little low. We've talked about they should improve from last year. Um, but 37.5 is the the win total or like the line. Uh, FanDuel has them at, what, 36.5? Oddshark has them at 37.5. So Detroit not getting much love from the odds makers. I, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, Detroit didn't upgrade, you know, exponentially. But they got better this offseason. In an Eastern Conference that I wouldn't say necessarily got better in the offseason. I think the Eastern Conference may have taken a step back this offseason. You think so? I mean, it definitely didn't get better. Can you someone explain to me how the whole Eastern Conference got better? I don't know if it took... I, I'm not going to sit here and say it got better. I mean, Brooklyn became another title contender. Now, you lost Toronto but, from that mix, and I get that. Um... I think Boston is going to be better now than they were with Kyrie. I do. Uh, Without Kyrie and Hel- Al Horford? Yes. I mean, and Aaron Baines? Yeah, I think they're And like, Aaron hey, Baines? Hey, hey, hey. I, I think you're, you're going to start to see both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum take another step in their career. Kemba's going to come in and a real opportunity to win, and I think he's going to be successful. You still have Gordon Hayward. Um, which is an elite level player when he wants to be. Wow, so, that's it's debatable after the season that he had. Yes, so there's there's a lot to be said about Gordon Hayward still being an elite level player because last year he was just not good. Sure, well he's got an opportunity though to bounce back next year. So I'm not I'm not counting Boston out. Um, I don't know. Plus, I mean, I know KD's hurt this year, but KD came to the Eastern Conference. To me, it's just hard to look at as a guy that's, even if he's out this year, a guy that is considered the best player in the league or one of the top three players in the league coming from the West to the East. Let me stop a, you right here. Okay. This These win totals are for this year. Sure. KD is not playing this year. 
That still does. I, to me, I wouldn't then say, "Oh, well, they took a step back and they'll recover when KD's healthy." We're talking about this year, okay? So you have Kyrie Irving and the rest of those young guys. I don't think that's a huge step forward for Brooklyn right now. That they're better. I don't think this makes them Eastern Conference uh, championship or better. Better. I think they'll be. I still think they'll be pretty good. I think. I think, I think they'll be good. I think. I they still could. think Philly and Boston are going to give them fits. Yep. So those are the two big dogs, and they were two of the big dogs last year. Sure. So Brooklyn slides into a big dog role, which even I don't think they're as good as good as what the big dogs were last right. year. Toronto takes a step back because they lost the second best player in the league in Kawhi Leonard. Yep. So Toronto takes a step back. What have the Atlanta Hawks done, the Chicago Bulls done. The you still have Milwaukee, too. And Milwaukee, that's a given. Like, that's there. We know that's there. Sure. But what have these lower-level teams, the Pistons, or outside the Pistons, you know. Miami's an interesting Miami. one. Like, I, interesting one. I'm interesting, not saying, I don't know if I've, they really took a I, I love Jimmy Butler. I've said it a million times on this podcast. I love Jimmy Butler. But have they really taken a big step forward? No, I think they might have pushed forward a little. I think they're in a very much can compete for that last playoff spot mode. I wouldn't say that they've jumped forward, but I think they've then, definitely taken a okay, step forward. Okay, and then did the Magic jump forward? No. All right, did the Hawks jump forward? Did oh. the Bulls jump forward? Did the Wizards jump forward? So that My whole point is... I do think the Hawks will be better. Than oh, you. I agree the Hawks like, will just be better. With, just on the pure development of their young guys alone. My whole point is there's still a big four in the Eastern Conference. Yep. And then after that... No one got exponentially better to jump in to be a fifth or sixth team in the big dog conversation. Yeah. Indiana, to me, kind of like what has Indiana done without they, Victor Oladipo for right? They're they're an interest. They're another interesting case. When you go get Brogdon, um, you lose Bogdanovich. Like they're 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 right there as a could be a five seed. Could fall like a seven or eight seed without Oladipo for a while. Yeah, I've said this before. I'm just not a huge fan of what Indiana did in the offseason. You lose Bogdanovich, you lose Miles, or not Miles Turner, you lose Bogdanovich and Thaddeus Young, you lose Corey Joseph, you lose Darren Collison, and. It's a lot of depth. I, I'm not a big fan of TJ Warren. I made that very clear when people were requesting that the Pistons make a move for him. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is going get, to get placed into a role that is very much too. Too high of expectations for him. And there's still the concern about the fit between Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis. So, and you're playing without Victor Oladipo until January, February. I just don't, I'm not going to say I buy into that team. I really don't. I, I'm very worried about how good they're going to be. And I've said that before, and I'm going to stick to that. So, you guys just proved my point then. I don't think the East got better. So. I don't think the East got better. I, I just they, argued they didn't step back. I didn't they say didn't they got better. I just, I just, I don't I, know. I just I, don't think they step back. I don't think I they don't step know. back either because Brooklyn is going to be a top four seed. I think they could fight for well. So there's Milwaukee, and there's Philadelphia. Yep. And then I think it's Brooklyn and Boston can fight for the three four. Um. Toronto will probably still be good enough to fight for the five, six, seven spot. You Detroit think, should be else? competing for the Toronto, five, six, seven spot. I guess I haven't paid attention. How? Have, what other move have they made to fill out that roster to replace Danny Green to replace Kawhi? 
I think. Um, well, I think you have to look at Stanley Johnson. That's a big get for them. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> See, that was pure bait right there to get Aaron to say that. What? But I mean, you have to expect Pascal Siakam to continue to grow. He's going to be thrust into that that not star role, but you're probably our lead guy role. I mean, him and Lowry, and you know Lowry kind of has his injury issues, and he's getting up there in age, and then you still have Marcus Saul, you still have Serge Ibaka, they're going to get OG and Anobi back. Um, so they're going to do some things. They're still going to be a, a playoff-level team, I think. They're going to be a lot like Indiana. Just that, like... And, and then, yeah, you have Indiana in there, and then maybe Miami is a fringe playoff team. I'm not high on Miami either. Yes, Jimmy Butler is a good player, but you just do not have a lot around him. Um I think losing Josh Richardson was tough. And, yes, you did get better with the addition of Jimmy Butler. But if you could have maybe given up Winslow and I don't know. I don't know what else for for Butler and kept Josh Richardson, then I probably would be like, oh, okay, this Miami team's going to be pretty good. You know, they're going to fight for that 5, 6, 7 spot. I also wonder, where's Chris Paul going to end up? Is he going to end up in the Eastern Conference? He's staying in OKC. They've already said that. You think he's going to end up staying there? Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna fight for the playoffs. That's a team that is going to try to get into the playoffs. Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, Danilo Gallinari, Andre Roberson, Terrence, Terrence Ferguson. That's a team that very much so is going to try to stick in that playoff hunt. It's gonna be a tough tough task for OKC. That is, is that is tough. It that is. is tough. Oh, and they have Shea Gilgis Alexander who's gonna who's gonna start for them too. So. They're, that's a team that is going to be... They're going to fight for a playoff spot. And, and will they get it? I don't know. But they have some young pieces. Chris Paul's going to play mentor to Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And they're going to go from there. But, I yeah. In retrospect, let's bring it back to the Pistons. The win total that Detroit's being projected are the line they're given, 37.5, 36.5. For me, it's downright buffoonery. Uh, this is it's team, disrespectful. It's a yeah. team that won 41 games last year, and their roster improved, right? Uh, Derrick Rose, Tony Snell, Christian Wood. I mean, you're not playing Jose Calderon 500-plus minutes. That's a huge, huge jump in itself. You're not playing Zaza Pachulia 1,000 minutes. That's a huge, huge jump in itself. So this is a team that just, for me, and for I think a lot of people – Clearly got better, even if the 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 got better isn't a drastic got better. It's a we improved to where we're not really an eight seed. We should be fighting for the five seed, more likely a six or seven seed. Um, but you're gonna have the growth of Luke Kennard, who I'm really expecting to take a jump. This is a team that just should not, should not be projected 37 and a half wins. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but it's typical. You know, I, I don't think many are ever going to go out and say the Pistons are projected to win 45 games or projected to win 48 games. 48 and a half is the line for them. You're, you're never going to really see that until this team kind of proves themselves in any way, shape, or form. So I, I'm not I'm not really surprised by it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's just downright buffoonery to, expect, to project them to have a worse season than they did last year. What the, what what do you think the line should be at? What would be a respectable line? Maybe not even where you think it should be. Where's the the difference between man, this is buffoon and put what's it, respectful? I would put it right at what they did last year, forty one and a half. A, yeah, I'm in exactly because they got better in an Eastern Conference that didn't get better. Like 
It'd be one thing if all of a sudden the Eastern Conference loaded up with five teams and then six and seven, whoever those are, are pretty solid too. And it's like, and the Pistons didn't make much improvement. It's like, oh, okay, fine. I see your 36 and a half. But the Eastern Conference didn't do a whole lot. One team moved up to the top tier and one team moved down a tier, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's it. Those those five through eight teams, five through nine teams, didn't make a whole lot of big time upgrades to be like, yep, okay, they're definitely gonna be the five seeds, and it seems definitely gonna be a six seed, and now it's only seven and eight that are open. It didn't happen. It's disrespectful. So you think forty one and a half is I would the set lowest it would have forty one and a half is what I would have said. I, that. Yeah, I would set it forty one and a half as well. And that's the lowest you would go for it to be respectable for the Pistons. Because, I don't know, I was in the thought of, even if they said it at 39.5 or 40.5, I would have felt like... Yeah, that would okay, have been fine. Like they could, they, they, but if, I would take the over. You know, I would generously maybe take the over on a 39.5. But, okay, I, I guess I, I could get it. You know, they could see Blake not having a career year. Um you know, or or just have other questions. Right? Okay. That, okay. That thirty nine and a half. That's fair. Like I, I could live with that. But but they should blow out of the water this thirty six or thirty seven and a half. My my problem is I look at the other projected win totals and you got the Pacers at forty seven and a half, the the Heat at forty three and a half, and then you have the Magic at forty one and a half. It's not like these teams are not all that better than the Pistons. Are the Pacers better when they get Oladipo back? Yeah, probably. But are the Magic better than Detroit? No. I really don't think so. Are the Heat better than Detroit? I'm not thinking so. So, I just don't... That's where my discrepancy comes with these win totals. If if, if the Magic are going to be a 41.5 and, and the Heat are going to be a 43.5, then the Pistons should be right there up with them. I I don't see why not. It's, those teams are... Those three especially, the Heat, Magic, and Pistons, are all a toss-up. Throw their names in a bag or in a hat and pick one out. Because they're all pretty even. Do you think if the Pistons brought back the teal jerseys, their uh, their win odds would go up? In my lines, yeah, they would. Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Aaron, I know you wanted to touch a little bit on, you know, the Grizzlies are bringing back their teals, right? They put out some um There's some mocks. beautiful jerseys. I love oh those jerseys. I love the teal jerseys. I love 90s NBA jerseys. Love them. They're gorgeous. And... We've been calling for it for Detroit. We've been calling for the Teals, the Reds, a change in the Motor City jersey, uh, just something to spark up. Um, and Aaron, I know you had some deeper thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I mean, it all kind of started for me with, with the Grizzlies stuff and the Grizzlies rebrand. And then a good follow on Pistons Twitter, Eli Bashy, NBA, that's his, his username. You can go follow him. He, he did some rebrands of the Pistons jerseys. You can go check them out on his page, and they're just—they're really nice. You know, that's—it it would be ideal for Detroit to make these kind of changes. It starts with, you know, the logo, the change in the logo, the the bringing back of the red jerseys. I'm pretty sure he did a teal version too. I'm trying to find them, but all these things, all these just look really good, um, and. The Pistons, you know, they they need a rebrand. They they desperately need it. They don't have they don't have is any great jerseys. So here's right now. Here's what I'm gonna throw out there. Do we really think Detroit's right now in need for a rebrand? And I say that as Detroit's in limbo right now. 
We're not a contender, but we expect to be in the playoffs. We're not a Eastern Conference Finals, but we are thinking we could win a playoff series in the right situation. But we also could completely miss the playoffs. We could also surge maybe as high as the five seed. Detroit's in a weird spot. Is this the right time to bring out a rebrand? Absolutely it is. You're starting to generate interest in your ball club again. You have Blake Griffin. You just brought in Derrick Rose, who although I do not love, he draws attention to your team. This is the best time. You just made it back to the playoffs. You are expecting to be back in the playoffs, and you improved your team. This is the perfect time. I mean, the Grizzlies are going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and they just brought back a jersey that definitely sparks interest in their franchise. So, for me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it should. It, you know, in retrospect, the Pistons should have done this rebrand years ago, but now it's like these Chrome jerseys they have. I do not love them. The Motor City jerseys they have, those black jerseys, did not like them. Their whites and their blues, are they're fine. They're their normal ones. But they rare, rarely wore the blue jerseys. They're their main road blues. And a lot of times they didn't wear the white ones either. You know, a lot of times it was those Motor City blacks or the chromes. And I just don't love either of those jerseys. They have a jersey for making the playoffs. So look at that. I think it's the earned edition jersey. Um, and then, you know, they got a shot here to, to do some nice stuff with their jerseys. Add even more interest to their team. Make some more money because if you are making these red and these teal jerseys, they are going to fly off the shelves. I mean, who's not going to want a Blake Griffin teal jersey? Who's not going to want a, a Blake Griffin red jersey or an Andre Drummond or a Derrick Rose or a Sekou Dumboya? They're going to fly off, or a Luke Kennard. They're going to fly off the shelves. You're going to make a lot of money off of that, that rebrand. Do something with your court. Do do a court theme for nights that you wear those 90 throwbacks. You can do so much with it to draw more attention, sell more tickets, sell more merchandise. I just can't believe the Pistons haven't done it yet. Okay. I disagree. Um, this is ba- you're a bad businessman. No, no. And I know I, I know no. you went to school for business. Here's, so here's, this does I'm sorry, but here's why you're still in school. Okay. There's, I think, two times in the NBA, or really in sports, like you would want to do a rebrand. There's two times. One of those is when you're horrible and you need to draw something to your team. I think the Grizzlies doing a rebrand right now is smart because they have nothing else going for them. They're they've terrible. John, they brought in John Morant and they've got Jaron Jackson Jr., but they're bad. So what generates interest? This rebrand and those two young guys. It's smart. You have to have something to build on. They're smart. Another situation where it makes sense to do a rebrand is when you're on that verge of like that second tier to top dog. When you know you're about to make the jump. Like right now, let's say Brooklyn wanted to do a rebrand. This is the perfect time to do it. They just got Kyrie and KD. They've taken a step to the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. They could start to really brand what they're doing with this group of guys. Okay? You take that opportunity to rebrand, and and it almost feels like that propels you to that next level. Detroit can bring back a teal jersey. There's no reason they couldn't bring back a teal throwback. 
or they couldn't add a red alternate. But to completely rebrand, to me, it's just too premature. Because you did just change the logo and edit some things not too long ago. Was it a couple years ago? Right? And to take that, hey, we did this two years ago, and all of a sudden, man, rebrand to be... It's not like they did anything significant. But they did rebrand. And if you were going to rebrand and you were going to take, like, you were really going to change the logo and you were going to do all these crazy things, it should have happened with the new arena when you sucked. Or, now, you're in limbo. There's no reason to do a rebrand right now. If you want to add in, hey, the Pistons are going to do five teal games this year and they're going to bring back a teal jersey, you know I'm for it. You know I'm for it. But to completely rebrand what they're doing... This is not the right time to do it. Because right now, the fan interest is still really average. And I don't think a rebrand is going to... It's going to bolster it. Like, if the team was really bad, and you wanted to keep your core fans engaged, you rebrand to give them something to be excited about. If your team was on the verge of greatness, and you want something to take you to that next level to really maximize selling that gear like okay sales are starting to go up people want a Blake jersey people want an Andre jersey whatever we're really starting to compete we're going to be a top four team in the east hey we can rebrand we can come up you know there was the bad boy era there was the going to work era what's this going to be and you can push that you can rebrand the jerseys you could then do something special Detroit's in too weird of a spot right now to waste rebranding I think it would be a wasted opportunity if they do it right now. The teals need to be brought back. The red alternate needs to be brought back. A teal court needs to happen. Those are the type of small rebrand, in quote, things that need to happen. But a full-on rebrand of everything, I don't think that makes sense right now either. I think that makes sense when the young guys officially take over this Yes. Team. Right now, just changing it on the fly, in the middle of what they're building towards with the young guys, I don't know if that's the right time. It would Bringing be the premature. teals back, getting those reds, doing things like that are absolutely crucial. And you're right about the uh, LCA thing. If they were going to do the full-on rebrand, do it when you left the palace and you moved it downtown Detroit. That's when you change everything. You just made a move. You moved from one home to a new one. You changed your location. Mm-hmm. You need that's when you change the franchise. But you rebrand. You know why it was smart though to not fully do that and to do the small rebrand they did because they knew they weren't good. And you don't want to put out this brand new rebrand and this exciting stuff when it's like it's not like you're bad but we've got I know. a John ja Moran what? who's going to be an all-star in this league. We, we've got our we've got our key piece. They didn't have they did not no. have that to where, you know, it, it makes sense to just do a small rebrand, update, you're going to a new arena, but now you wait until you are ready to take the step into truly being a contender. Time time is semantics for me when it comes to rebranding. If you need a rebrand, you need a rebrand. And, and the Pistons have a star right now in Blake Griffin, and they have intriguing young talent. They, they're, they're just, it's stale. They're... Their court, their logo, their jerseys are stale. They need to do something about the them. teals and the reds, and the having a teal court is the change. Yes, that's Agreed. the change. If they do that, then fine. But 
they're, they're just it's all boring to me. It's like we're you're not wrong. Yeah. I agree it's boring. Agree. I absolutely agree it's boring. But a full on rebrand yes. right now I doesn't work. There's a difference between some additions and bringing in something to increase some high level additions, which those two jerseys are. But think about if you you bring back the Reds, you bring back the Teals, you have them for two, three years. Maybe by this point, Sekou's in a position where he's going to be like Pascal Siakam. Maybe Luke has become that, you know, like maybe not all-star, but like maybe a fringe all-star kind of guy. And all of a sudden we're like, hey, we've got two pieces. We've got money in free agency. We make a nice signing and bam, here we go. Detroit's going to be a real player. Rebrand, hit the shelves, sell the jerseys, update the court, whatever. And that's when Detroit feels like, hey, we have now taken a step forward. This new look, look good, feel good, play good, all translates. I mean, I, it's semantics to me. I don't really care. I, I just think it Why rebrand when Blake and Andre could be gone in a year? Could be gone this year. What happens if Detroit starts in the first 35 games and it goes haywire, 13-22? and 22? What happens at that point? Isn't that, like, country that every year? I... I Exactly. That's, the, so that's where you, they're at right well, now. Right. Then are you never going to rebrand? Because then couldn't you say, you re, oh, you rebrand the young guys when you've are good, young but guys. we don't have enough talent around them, so why would we rebrand? Because I feel like there's always going to be a reason to say no. Sometimes you just got to do it. There's not enough reason to say yes right now. That's the problem. There's always going to be a reason. There's a but difference when they're Seku older, when the players are older, compared to when they're younger. Yes. There's, there's a difference in perception when it's... Obviously, if, Andre's not if, old. Andre's twenty five years old. But He's if Blake, not old. But if Blake was twenty eight, then it'd be a different it's conversation. Different. But he, he just turned 30. thirty. It's that's a huge difference. And I still, he, he, he had a career year, and I, he had a career year, and I still think he's very good. But let's face it: once you hit thirty, that's starting the downslope on your career. I still think Blake has a fantastic year or two left in him, like like a, like a top level, yes, all star level yes. play. But there's a difference when you know this you're going to ride this out with some boys, and you're not. Right. There, there's just a difference in the age. If you're doing it when guys are yes. 22, 23, 24, compared to when your best player is 30, 31. Again, that's why I really think you rebrand on, on, on the two instances. When you're bad and you need something to engage your fans that like will stay on board with you, and you want to give them something to cheer about, or... When you're on the verge of greatness and you brand that core group you have that's going to compete and possibly win a championship. Like I said, like we said, the upgrades to the teal and the red in the court, absolute must. I think the Pistons are absolutely hurting themselves if they don't make that change this year. Yep. Aaron talked about it with all the jerseys flying off the shelf, all the income that comes in with that. The revenue, right? Like that, absolutely, yes. But that's just those are. That's not really in a rebrand. That's in. It's just an some upgrade. upgrade. Yeah, and that's what this Pistons. That's that's a makeover, but not a rebrand. Yes, yes, and All that's four. what the Pistons need is more of a makeover, not a rebrand. Right yes, now. agreed, a hundred percent. Give something to increase some excitement. Something to you know, sell some more jerseys. But you don't want to rebrand yet because when you rebrand, you want to go all in, and it should be as either a. I know you're changing the official logo 
yes. pretty decently. It's not just small changes if you're doing a rebrand. Right. You're even possibly changing colors. Like, yeah. I don't know if I would do that at this point. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Especially when you also just did a rebrand two years ago, yes. three years ago. Like, it's just way too soon. You don't want to do it again. Because then it's like, what, what was the point? You know, why would you have a, a two or three year branding? Like, that's just. You just don't do that. That's a bad look on your own organization if you go through and change it again. The makeover aspect compared to the rebranding aspect adds just as much excitement, in my opinion. Agreed. I think those home whites are beautiful jerseys. Yeah. And they need to wear and those more. I wish they would wear the road blues more, too. I love. I, I don't know why, but I love the road blue jerseys. Uh, the, uh, the blues are nice, absolutely. But for me, it's it's the home whites. Like yep. Those are pristine. Those are beautiful. Oh, yeah. If you throw a teal in there, you throw a red in, I mean, how many how many jerseys of the Pistons and, get and this year? And you can Five? use Motor City can be red. You know, yeah. make your Motor City ones red. Like I still think you. How many Pistons jerseys do they get this year? Home how, whites. Home white. How many like, like how many? I don't know if they get Motor two or City. three. Yeah, then there's I think the I, don't, I don't know if they get the five for I don't know if they get the third alternate because they made the playoffs. Yes, yeah, but the Pistons are already posting the Chrome jersey up again for. And their it's new that guys. I, I oh, that bothers me so much. So I know. it doesn't know seem that. like they're rebranding that one. Um, so we'll see. I don't I don't know when all that stuff comes out, and I'm not the jersey guy, so I, I don't know. Clearly, they tried the makeover last year. Yeah, with the Chrome. And the black motor cities. It didn't go. It didn't work. No. The people want the well, red. Listen to the people that have literally said, hey, we're going to buy all of this if you do this. I know. The people have said, we want the teal and the red. Yeah, people bought those uh, chromes and those blacks, but it didn't spark. Sure. sure. The teal and the reds will bring that interest. Right. Agreed. I, I do agree. So maybe it's not a full-on rebrand, but yeah. it's a makeover. We're, 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 we're not on a totally different page. We're just... You know, we're, we're not on the full same page either, you know? That's fair. So, but Detroit, see if they, uh, you know, if they have any other moves, anything in them over the coming weeks before. I mean, sooner or later, the season's going to be upon us. And I know we've got about, what, another month or so before, you know, really things start to get churning again with the NBA. Once you hit September, it kind of feels like the season's upon us in a way. Um we're going to grind through August. We're going to have stuff to talk about. So make sure you stick with us. We appreciate everybody who tuned in on our slight delay of the pod this week. Um, but we'll be back. We'll be back next week. The whole crew here, don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe to the pod on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, we're on Podbean, Stitcher, whatever. Um, we're on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Palace Pistons. You can find Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. Ryan at Ryan Pay. Myself at Media Brendan. And guys, good pod this week. A lot of good stuff. We'll see you guys next time here on the Palace Pistons Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.